This empty chair represents the addict who died today, not knowing recovery was possible. Okay, hello and welcome to the last episode of The Empty Chair for this season. But we will be back again, uh, when the hell, oh, in September, I guess we come back, yeah. Uh, this show uh, is being dedicated to uh, a friend of mine and a very close friend of my daughter. Her name was Kim Holland. And I know usually when we do the show in remembrance of someone that they did suicide or they OD'd, well, this is not the case with Kim. Uh, she was working a pretty good recovery. She was in a program. I believe she was in a sober living home. And what happened was she uh, she got a pass to go see her beautiful young daughter who was doing a recital. So Kim went to see the recital and her daughter, who they just had a unbelievably wonderful relationship. And uh, on the way back, unfortunately, Kim died in a fatal car accident. So, I mean, did drugs kill her? No. But obviously, if uh, she wouldn't have been in that situation, she would still be with us today. But uh, this show is in memory of her, and uh, she was just a lovely, lovely lady and just had the most beautiful daughter, who, by the way, is doing well with her grandparents. So... Keep uh, Kim and her family in your prayers. And before I introduce my guest, I know Fran's really going to get pissed at this, but my lovely wife was a new member of the Happy Hots, and they did a, a, a performance over at the Nevins Library in a salute to the veterans. So this was her first live performance, and we're very proud of her. And they tell me she was the, the star of the Happy Hots. So, oh boy, is she going to get me for that? I may, I may not leave tonight, Lou. Okay, my guess is Nikki, and her and I go back a few years and uh, become very, very good friends. Uh, we talk every now and again, and she's got a her story. The reason I brought her in is basically she had the courage to no matter how many times she relapsed or slipped she uh always learned from it and came back even stronger and um i'm just so proud of her and uh, we just love her to death so hi nikki hi phil <laughs> <laughs> uh we're gonna we're gonna start a little bit off with the dark days uh we were talking a little bit before and so nikki you were very young when you started to experiment like everybody else you were yep i was 13 years old right about there and doing pot yep and it's it's that's the natural age now it truly is so uh so you did part, and uh, when did you kind of graduate to something a little stronger? Um, so I experimented with pot, and like I drank here and there, and I started smoking cigarettes. And then um, when I was like a um, junior in high school, like I started experimenting um, with like club drugs because I started going to raves because I was mm -hmm. hanging out with like older kids and my boyfriend at the time was a dj and we were going to raves and um all of my friends uh, like in my friend group were doing it too um and so a lot of times like we were getting it and doing it at parties but then i started i, I i'm an i i found i'm an extremist and so i take things to the extreme and so i found like the clubs like the ones that are open 24 hours um you know and then there's always an after party afterwards so like you kind of made a weekend of it kind well, of a thing so you now how, how old were you roughly about this time now um i was about 17. really yeah and you were doing all this stuff at 17. oh yeah wow 
you kind of progress rather rapidly. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Not really proud of it, but yeah. Uh, so at this time here, now I know you and your mom have a really good relationship now, but did she at the time and did she at the time think that it was just, you know, a young girl just kind of experimenting, going through stuff? So I wasn't really honest with her about anything I was doing. Oh, really? Doing. Oh, that's no. Hard. I can't believe that. But um, she had her ways. Like, I, I have older siblings who know mutual friends of mine. And so everybody kind of knew what I was doing in some form or another. So, you know, I'm sure she had an idea. And then at some point, like, I just started flat out telling her what I was doing because mm -hmm. I didn't care to get permission. Okay. I was an extremely strong-willed, difficult, difficult child mm -hmm. my entire life. Your entire life until now. Until obviously. now. Until now. So now at 17, would you say you were addicted then or just on your way? Um, I mean... So it so so with a with a disease like alcoholism or addiction, um, it's all about progression. And I seriously looked forward to those weekends, and those weekends turned into from a Friday night quickly turned into a Friday Saturday night, mm -hmm. and then the next weekend Friday Saturday Sunday, okay. and then you know it got to a point where I couldn't even wait till the weekend. Okay. So how long did this progress? Like, how long was it before you went to just weekends to more than just weekends? So, I mean, my you... my past is so blurry because I spent so many years not really mm -hmm. knowing what I was doing from day to day, yeah. um, just kind of flying blind. But like, you know, from my memory, um, like I held everything together for a long time, and you know uh like graduated high school by the skin of my teeth yeah, um, I, I know that feeling actually. yeah and i wasn't even using anything i had like the <clears throat> most absences of everybody in the high school me and my best friend at the time um you know because we were we were leaving during you know free periods and then we wouldn't come back until like the following monday like we'd leave on like our lunch period on a friday and i would you know, find a way to stay out until Monday. So, you know, I was missing school quite yeah. a bit, but um, but you got through it. I did get through yeah. it. I did graduate. Then I, you went to Harvard, Yale. No, I went. Oh, okay. I went to UMass Lowell. Oh well, okay. Um, because me and my best friend both got in there, uh -huh. and she was like my little sidekick. Um, I still keep in touch with her to this day, but uh. You know, we were always up to no good, but we didn't think we had any problems. We just thought we were partiers. Sure, having fun. Yeah. I get it. We thought we knew how to have the most fun out of everybody that we knew. And you probably thought you were. And we probably thought we were. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, for a long time it was fun. And, yeah. and it was fun for a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somewhere along the line, the script flip, like it flips and it becomes not fun and it becomes a chore and it becomes sure. a job and it just becomes oh, survival. Oh, Yep. I get that part too. Yep. Yep. I've been through that with my daughter. This uh, best buddy of yours, do you say you still keep in touch? How's she doing? She's okay. Yeah, she's okay. Um, You know, she's not in recovery. I don't know if she even needs to be. Mm -hmm. Um like she she's yeah she's doing good okay so good. yeah and um you know i wish her well so of course but of course. if she ever felt like she did need this program like i would be the first one to yep. help her out but like it's about attraction not promotion exactly. you know what i mean yep. so i just focus on myself and... okay so all right so did you end up getting through you, Lowell? Or no. Didn't think so. No, I partied my way right out of your mask. You did. Okay. But okay, so when does it get now? I know you uh you do dog uh, grooming. Grooming, right. How did you come about that? So I mean you you started doing that when you were still 
No. Oh, you did not. Oh, then we'll go no, back to that. This is yeah for the. We'll get back line. to that after. Okay. <clears throat> That's good because I would have hate to see what the dogs would have looked like while you're using. Oh right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could have been. Although you made her come up, you might have come up with some new cuts or whatever. Oh yeah, I'm a much better groomer when I'm sober. Oh, I I can buy oh, that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, she does my hair. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so why don't we get into the part where you started to realize it was more than just fun that it was developing into a problem. So that didn't happen for a very long time. It's only mm -hmm. looking back that I can see where it started to become a problem. Mm -hmm. But for a long, long time, I didn't have any big consequences for my actions. I mean, like I flunked out of college, but I was kind of like good written. Yep. I only went to college because I was pushed to go to college because I didn't know what else to do with my life. Mm -hmm. I hadn't found my passion, which is dog grooming that came later. Mm -hmm. And that was a happy accident. But, um, you know, I went to college because that's what everybody else was doing. I didn't know what else to do with myself and I couldn't settle on a major. So I picked business because that's what my mom went to school for mm -hmm. and was just going to go through the motions. Yeah. But I wasn't happy about it. No, no, no. So. So you, what happened after you flunked out of college? Um, my mom highly recommended I go to Northern Essex Community College. Okay. Because I have no direction with my life. And um, I'm not even sure where I was living at the time. I've moved and lived so many different places. Now, but like. Now tell me that at this time here. Does your mom start to realize that you're starting to have a problem or so, not yet? So it's funny because if you ask her and you ask me, you'll probably get two different answers because my view is so skewed. Um, but I'm sure she probably had some sneaking suspicions mm -hmm. um, because of my behavior. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't, I didn't recognize I had any sort of issue that was coming shortly though. Yeah. Um, and you know, I hadn't had too many consequences for my actions, so I didn't really think there was a problem. Well, yeah, when you say you didn't have any consequences, like no legal consequences. Yeah. But I'm saying that's because you kind of had a a nice channel to buy to uh, get your 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 drugs. Well that that had that had just about ended. Okay. But then you know, but then the opioid epidemic right. epidemic hit. Yeah. And um, I was really good at going to see a doctor and getting exactly what I wanted. Oh, my goodness. I was really good at that. Yeah, doctors were pretty good at that shit back then. They were. Yeah. And yeah. they just handed it out pretty freely. And, um, you know, that's that was my, like, source of getting it for mm -hmm. the most part yeah and um you know i was pretty creative and some of the things i did i probably shouldn't even talk about because i don't know what the statute of limitations are on them but like <laughs> well i'll tell you what we'll, we'll skip some of the specifics but yeah i i understand uh what you're talking about because i know my daughter has done some things that she probably wouldn't want to talk about too much either but uh but yeah, it gets to the point where it's a very hard job trying to uh, keep yourself supplied, ain't it? Yes, especially when you start to have those negative consequences. Mm -hmm. Like you can't hold down a job, right, you know, right. you um, you can't pay for your own apartment. Um, and my mom's probably going to hate me for saying this, but for a long, long time, I'm pretty sure she didn't know I really had a problem because she was helping me stay off the streets, yeah. you know, so funding um, my, not my habit, she would never have funded my habit, but like funding um, my rent sure. and my car insurance and yeah. my vehicles, yeah. uh, many, many vehicles yeah. that I crashed due to Oh, yeah. Like I said, I, I'm starting to wonder if uh, you and my daughter were related. 
she uh she crashed she she totaled about four cars in her heyday. Oh, also. I've got her beat, but we'll oh, just keep you, it. Okay, at that. we'll let yeah. it go with that. It, but it's not a contest. It's by not the way. a contest. No, no. And I am not proud. No, okay. <laughs> so and and as far as your mom goes, who I obviously I know real well and Andy, and you know, we love him to death anyway. But it's I, I know what she was going through because she thinks she was being supportive. Uh, because she really didn't understand addiction, just like none of us did back right. then. Uh, you know, she didn't realize back then that it was a disease, that you right. were a very sick pain in the ass. And I was also very good at hiding a lot of stuff. So oh, I'm yeah. sure she didn't realize how bad it was. For a long time, I'm pretty sure she thought I was just severely depressed mm -hmm. and couldn't work and could barely get out of bed. Sure. I mean, the truth of the matter was I was always working, you know, leading a double life, mm -hmm. doing whatever I had to do to get by. Sure. sure. But all of my bills were being paid, not by me. So mm -hmm. every single cent I made went to yeah. what I had to go to. You know, it's funny. I, I remember my daughter said something similar to what you just said, because she was living with Fran and I, you know, until we finally had to ask her to leave. But she told me later on, you know, after she was in recovery, she says, you know, says you took care of my rent, took care of my food. If I needed gas, says all I had to do was get money for drugs. Right. And for I remember for a long time thinking, wow, my life is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I also didn't want to wake up in the morning mm -hmm. and do it all over again. Yeah. So like I was really torn. It was just it was like it was not fun. It mm. was completely leading a double life filled with guilt, shame, remorse, like not knowing a way out. I yeah. didn't know a better way. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, tell me something. Did you think that <clears throat> at this time here, did you think that that was it? That's the way you were always going to be? I didn't think I was going to live to see mm -hmm. a very old age. Like I kind of knew that was probably in my future, but I, um, but I was terrified of going a day without a substance in me. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know how to function. Right. I didn't know how to have a conversation. I didn't know what normal people talked about. I didn't know anything. I didn't know little life skills nothing you know i was so at this point in your life you had accepted the fact that this is what you were going to do until you were no longer with us right that's kind of sad isn't it it was complete utter despair yeah yeah and i was terrified all the time wow i can understand that okay now we're going to have to fast forward a little right. bit to what forced you into treatment <laughs> and uh i know that you did spend uh, a little time incarcerated yes i did but that turned out to be really a good thing i believe oh it was the best thing that ever could have happened for me um i believe that i had to be like physically removed from my surroundings and locked away for a good amount of time to understand that i could go a drink with a i could go a day without a drink or a drug in my system mm -hmm. you know that i could um operate like a normal human being that i needed to physically be removed from society for a little bit of time to get some time under my belt mm -hmm. and so you know, let's let's talk about your first experience and uh, i think you said it was middleton so, yeah, so originally they sent me to Middleton um, to the detox program. And um, and you nailed that, right? Yeah, I did not do well oh, there. Okay. I was not used to being told what to do. Mm -hmm. I had never been to any sort of like, I mean, this wasn't jail, but this was, it was not detox. Mm -hmm. um, it was basically a holding mm -hmm. with like, 40 beds, 40 women, um, all being basically imprisoned in mm -hmm. a room. Being someplace you didn't want to be. Right, exactly. And um, 
you know, there was correctional officers bringing you from one room to the next for different parts of your day. And uh, you slept on a cot in one big room with all these women. And it's funny when I got there, I actually knew some people there. So that's not always a good sign. No, probably no. not. But um, not what you would call a real support group. Huh? No, but we did go through the big book uh -huh. and they did have commitments come in. Right. And that was good. You know, there was like a little taste of recovery in there. Um, unfortunately, I only made it through eight days there. And then I got lugged to Framingham for the remainder of my why'd time. They, why'd they throw you out after eight days? So, You're such a sweet kid. So, no, I'm a good kid now. But like, <laughs> they, so I um, I got into a fight with a girl. Uh, I don't even remember what it was about. Um, I had, I had, I had tried to bring stuff in with me. Mm -hmm. Um I, I wouldn't wear my shoes. Like all these, they call them D reports. Mm -hmm. I had so many D reports that they were like, you can't stay here. Like you're not fit. You're not, you're like, you're not a good fit. Like okay. we need to bring you to oh boy. Framingham for the remainder of your time. And I was, I was like excited. I was like, great. Get oh. me out of here. Like put me in general population where I'll probably know more people and I can move around more and, like, I don't have to deal with this. I just wanted out, you mm -hmm. know? So if they told me they were bringing me to, it didn't matter. I mm -hmm. was like, okay, let's go. Well, I'm so glad that you got a happy ending out of that, going to Framingham. It wasn't great. Oh, it was? No, it oh, was oh, terrible. Oh, 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 it was absolutely terrible. <laughs> but, like, there's nothing you can do when you're in yeah. jail. So you just adapt. Like, if you don't adapt, like, you can't survive. So... And then when I got there, like I knew some people there too, and they kind of like showed me the ropes and um, it was bad, but like, it wasn't terrible. And I was sober and I was forced to be sober. Mm -hmm. And it was the only way I think I was going to get completely clean and sober. And so it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Like I look back on it as the best thing that ever happened to yeah. me yeah. because I got off any prescription medication I was on, um, you know, I couldn't smoke cigarettes. I, you, you can find drugs in jail if you want drugs in jail, but I got like a little taste of recovery and sobriety. And I was like, wow, I can actually do this. Mm -hmm. And like, I had some fun in there. Like I met some okay people. Like yeah. I knew who to stay away from and like who not to associate with. I mean, like I have some street smarts, but like I, I just navigated my way around there because that's what you have to do. Like you don't have much of a choice, right. but you know, it was literally the best thing that could have happened to me. But you weren't thrilled about being there. I was not thrilled with being there. I couldn't wait to get out. Mm -hmm. Now, if But I, I didn't know when I was going right. to get out because I had a court date set. Yep. And now if I remember... This is probably about the time that I uh, met your stepdad, Andy, and his daughter, Andrea. Yep. And they came to a Circle of Hope meeting. Yep. And uh, your mom wasn't there. I think she was taking some kind of classes or something at the time. But, yeah, he came, and then soon after that, your mom came. And uh, they really really got into uh you know learning how to deal with someone with a problem they filled us in and told us a lot about you and uh so let's talk about your next step now that now that they have a really better understanding that you're not just someone who likes to use you're someone who has to use right it's kind of like it's like they say in the program, like, you're not a bad person trying to get good. You're a sick person trying to get well. Exactly. And, like, they understand that today. And yeah. I have to give you props because you've done an amazing job, like, teaching them, like, how to maneuver with me because yeah. 
sometimes I don't even call my sponsor. Sometimes I just call my mom now yeah. and yeah. like, she does an amazing job yeah, she... and like no disrespect to my sponsor. I love my sponsor. I need my sponsor, but right. like my mom, she gets the program. She truly, truly does. Yeah. yeah I know. Uh, Cause I know at meetings, you know, she doesn't come to too many meetings anymore cause she's doing something, another job or whatever, but she was always giving good advice to other members in the group uh, because of what she's gone through in that. So, so you're in jail, your family is starting to get the idea of what's going on. What happens next? So, um, so I went to court and, uh, they wanted me to sit in jail for an unspecified, an unspecified, specified amount of time until I could get into a program and it was you know October and all the programs fill up when it gets cold outside and um I was going to be sitting in Framingham for you know the unforeseeable future and I was terrified mm -hmm. and um my mom came to a visit one day and she just looked at me and she said, I found you a bed somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like this huge weight just like lift off me mm -hmm. and like this small amount of like hope, like course through me. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I could really do this. Like maybe I could really give this a shot. You know, mm -hmm. like I was like, maybe, you know, I was terrified because this is a whole new life. A way of living I have no idea how to do, but you know, I had a little taste of it and I realized it was possible. And I was like, okay, this this is also my ticket out of jail. Right, exactly. You know, let's which give, is a which is a plus. Big yeah. motivator. Yeah. It's just big a big motivator. big motivator. Yeah. Let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> but like, let's um, you know, let's give this a try. Yeah. And um, so I went to court. And my mom had to stand up in court and fight for them to let me go to the sober house, mm -hmm. which was the Haven. And I loved it there. Um, I remember we got out of court and my probation officer was like, do not go anywhere else. Just go straight to the sober house. And my mom was like, stuff for ice cream and i was like absolutely not like i'm not going back to jail for ice cream yeah the threat of going back there was quite a deterrent wasn't it, it was for uh, for uh, at least a good amount of time yeah. you know whatever keeps you sober a day at a time i agree whatever gets yep. you in the doors whatever yep. it takes you know for me it took a lot sure. and it took different things at different times but you know. And you know what I want people to understand is this was your first attempt after probably over 25 years of not even trying to get sober. Right. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Now we're in we're in Haven Hope. Now we're starting our journey. So we're gonna take two minutes, take a little advertisement break. We're going to come back and we're talk, going to talk about the good stuff. And by the way, folks, if uh, you want to call in, Lou will put the number up here. You want to call in and say hi, we're here. If you want to call in and tell me to go take a shit for myself, we're still here. See you in two minutes. Haven of Hope is a faith-based 12-step recovery home for women seeking a loving and structured lifestyle to help them persevere over addiction. Our Sober Living House offers women an opportunity to gain life skills, coping mechanisms, and personal growth so they may return to their home or working field as productive members of society. Haven of Hope's approach is based on fostering a structured, faith-based life with a core component being the 12 steps from the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, For With God, All Things Are Possible. Contact Haven of Hope at havenofhopemethuen.org or call 978-258-3982. That's 978-258-3982 or visit us at 82 Union Street in Methuen. Hi there. My name's Phil Leahy and I do the Empty Chair Show here. And as much as Fran and I have enjoyed doing this show, 
Our real passion is with where it all began, the Circle of Hope, my support group for the families of addicts. I learned a long time ago that dealing with an active addict is just too difficult. So we invite you to join our group, the Circle of Hope. Uh, give me a call, 978-886-2949, and you'll see our banner on the show anyway. And, and give me a call, find out what it's all about. You know, if you don't think you're ready to sit into a group, uh, Fran and I always invite people uh, over to the house, and we sit down, have a one-on-one, -on -one, and we talk about a plan you'll have to set up, how to deal with someone in active addiction, or, or just give you a chance to vent. So, I mean, if you or someone you know has dealing with a, someone in active addiction, reach out, give a call, take the first step. I promise you that it won't make it easier, but once you understand what it's all about, you'll be able to deal with it a little bit better. So again, 978-886-2949. Just ask for Phil. I'm always available 24-7. Thanks, and we'll see you on the empty chair. Bye-bye. Okay, welcome back. Uh, as I told you, like I said, the, the phone number would be up there. You want to call in, uh, say hi to Nikki. That's great. If you want to uh, call in and uh, say something in memory of... Uh, Kim Holland, who the show is being dedicated to, that's great too. So we went through the dark days, Nikki. Now we're in the haven of hope. I don't want people to get the idea that it's smooth sailing for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> we are going to hit a couple of bums, but that's really that's really what this particular episode is all about. So you're in Haven. We met. Right. Yes, we had a, a beginning of a, a long and uh, really friendly relationship. So you're in Haven Hope. So what happens next? So I was in Haven and I absolutely loved it. Like I, I liked um, being clean and sober and I, I was enjoying like getting into my, getting into like recovery. Um, but I still had some, bad people um from my past in my life yep. um so i was once again trying to live like two different lives and um you know there was a part of me that was jealous that i didn't have the freedom that my old friends had mm -hmm. and um you know so like they say in the program like i wanted to be sober but i wanted to get high more than i wanted to be sober Ooh, okay so there was a point where the opportunity presented itself and i said yes all right now this was after how long? this was after just right right after eight months eight months yep yeah and what kind of relapse or slip was that so i went out for a couple of drinks and um and then you know once you have a couple of drinks like i was in an overnight pass and i went out for a couple of drinks and once you have a couple of drinks like your inhibitions are down and then um you know drugs came into play and i you know i just said yes and um and then i started panicking because I was on 18 months probation oh, okay. and, um, you know, I had. Yeah. So you weren't in the clear yet. No, I had the threat of jail time hanging over my head, but like, you know, I just, I liked being clean and sober, but I really just wasn't ready, yep. you know, because none of that stuff can keep you sober if you don't really want it, you know, um, all of the, all the consequences I had hanging over my head weren't enough to keep me clean and sober. Um, at the end of the day, like I didn't have a defense against the first one. Mm -hmm. Like I was working my program, but I was working it the way I wanted to work it. I didn't really want to be doing the steps. Mm -hmm. I liked, I liked certain meetings, but not other meetings. I didn't want to, you know, tell my sponsor everything. I didn't, I didn't want to take all the suggestions, sure. you know, yep. and 
you know, for someone like me, um, I needed to take every suggestion and do everything as it was laid out. Um, because, you know, I was coming from a complete place of utter despair and I didn't have the luxury of just doing it my way Okay. because my way didn't work. All right. So obviously now, I guess you're no longer in the Haven. Nope. I, um, I called up my probation officer thinking he would like take pity on me. Okay. And he was like, well, that's great to hear. Why don't you come into court? You're going back to jail. And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. So that didn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like I said, I, I got away with a lot of stuff for a long, long time until I didn't. Mm -hmm. And then everything started blowing up in my face. And I'm grateful for those things blowing up in my face today mm -hmm. because if they hadn't, I wouldn't be wearing them now, sure. you know, sure. but, uh, you know, so I went to court, court, let me go to CSS, which you got me into. Mm -hmm. um, oh my God. That seems like so long ago. That was so long ago. So, but my genius head was like, well, I'm not going to CSS completely sober. And at this time I had sobered up. So I grabbed a bottle of gin and ended up in the hospital with basically what was alcohol poisoning, complete dehydration. Mm -hmm. It was close to alcohol poisoning. And I woke up and I was just like, how did I get here? Like, where am I? And, um, you know, luckily uh, CSS, took me because my mom had tried to take me to detox that night and yeah. I was too drunk for detox. <laughs> okay. Which I didn't even know was a thing. But I didn't either. Now that no, you mentioned it. No, but you can. You can be too drunk for detox. Yeah, That's okay. the thing. So I actually I got into CSS and um you know I went through all of CSS, all of TSS, and after like four months ended up uh at a halfway house uh now was this um so no i i wanted to go to glanishian yeah, because it was close to my family and mm -hmm. and it was around a place i was familiar but i got sent to framingham to serenity and oh. i spent a month in framingham at, at serenity mm -hmm. when glanishian called me and said we have a bed for you i remember that and I said, I'm already at another halfway house. And they said, well, if you really want to come here, see if your insurance will let you do a lateral move. So now I'm on a mission. Yeah. And I'm pretty good at tackling things when I really want them. So I got a hold of my insurance. They said I could make a lateral move. I told serenity i'd be leaving i got someone to come pick me up from serenity i stayed the night at my parents house and i went to the the next day with the approval of my probation officer yeah. which that took a little convincing uh -huh. but um but yeah so then i was at glanishian for six months and yeah. my best friend Jamie Quinn is listening to this right now, and that's where I met her. Yeah. And she's doing amazing at life, just like I am. I always tell her she's kicking ass at life. And um, yeah, just wanted to say hi. And hi, Jamie. And also some people from the Haven that mm -hmm. I was there with are listening. And that place was amazing and exactly what I needed. Yeah. At exactly I remember, that I, time. I, I remember you, you were you were quite happy at Glenshire. I was. Yeah. I was I've I've never been happy, like the happiness I found when I was clean and sober because the connections I made were actually real, like mm -hmm. people who actually cared about you. Yeah. Like the people that I met in meetings are like people that actually cared about you and just wanted to see you doing good. Like not everybody, because right. not everybody's well, you know, we're mm -hmm. all still a little sick, but for the most part, um, the people I surround myself with are people that have my best intentions at heart. Okay, so let's see if we can see if you learned your first lesson. Now, you went to Haven. Yep. You slipped. You ended up You ended up at Glenishian. What do you think you learned from Haven to Glenishian? Um, I learned to cut off... Um, cut off people in my life that weren't looking out for my best interests. Okay. That's yeah. what I learned that mm -hmm. time around that I learned I couldn't, 
hang out with the people that were doing what I used to do if I wanted to stay clean and sober. Mm -hmm. Like they say in the program, you have to change people, places, and things. Yep, yep. That's what I had to do. Okay. Like I couldn't lead a double life. Okay, so you went to Glen and she lived happily ever after. Nothing ever <laughs> happened again. I guess the show's over. It was so nice of you to come. Oh, wait a minute. Did yeah. we have another slip? We did. Oh, we did. Okay. Let's uh let's let's fast forward to Glenishine. Okay. When I know me and Fran and your mom and everybody just said, Oh, she's doing so great. And I was so happy too, but there was a little part of me mm -hmm. that thought, Okay, so now I have some recovery under my belt and a little bit of time and like some better knowledge. Maybe I can when I go back out this time when I'm off probation do things differently mm -hmm. in moderation yeah and in moderation and yeah. learn how to you know not be sober successfully sure like a normal person because uh, yeah, i'm cured I, because i'm cured yeah i yeah i would i would i i mean for over 40 years i drank in moderation right just ask friends no don't ask friends <laughs> don't ask friends uh don't forget i know there's a lot of people out there uh watching nikki you see the number up there you want to give us a quick call we're going to get through her story, but if you want to give her a quick call and, uh, you know, tell her what you think, you know, you're more than welcome to. All right. So after Glenn Sheen, how did the next little slip happen? So basically I was counting down the days till I was off probation. Mm -hmm. Um, because even though probation couldn't keep me sober, it did keep me on the straight and narrow for the most part, Yeah. you know, so I had some controls on me. Mm -hmm. Uh, seriously the day i got off probation i made sure i already had a car and i was living in a sober house that you know i might be able to get away with something if i wanted to get away with it so the countdown was on and so it was already in the back of your it was mind. in the back of my mind yeah. and um i think anybody that knew me at that point knew what was in the back of my mind because all i talked about was getting off probation that was the only thing I could talk about. I was literally obsessed with it. So the uh, motivation to not use was kind of weakened a bit. Oh, yeah. Because I thought there would be no consequences. Yeah. Funny how that works out. Though, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, always consequences yeah. for your so, actions. And sometimes when nothing happens, that's the worst consequence of well, all. Well, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. So... What brought on the next, well, obviously, we know you got off probation, you decided to feel a little cocky, and uh, so you had another little slip. Yep. Okay, how did you handle this one? So this time... Because now you're not on probation. No, no. Okay. But this time, I thought about where was I truly happy, and that was at Glenishian mm -hmm. with um, my best friend mm -hmm. and uh, other amazing women there that I still keep in contact with today. That's where I was truly happy. And, um, you know, I went to them and told them that I had a slip and I could have stayed at the sober house I was at. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew I needed to really focus on myself and work on myself a little bit more. This time with nobody telling me I had to be there. Okay. Yep. So I went to them and they said, you know what? If you want to come back, you can come back. You can have your car you can have your own room and you can come right back and they were like no wait you don't have to go to css or gss or anything mm -hmm. and i was like okay i have to think about it because that was my disease talking I know. my disease was like if you go back that's it you're sober for the next six months for you the know? next six months right <laughs> that's how i was thinking of it <laughs> okay so I had to think about it and I had to like be pushed a little bit by my mom who kind of threatened to pull the car back away from me. Oh, I don't think it was a kind of a threat at right, all. It was. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, I really want the car still. And like, mm -hmm. she has the title at this point, mm -hmm. not no longer, but, um, I knew it was the best thing for me at the end of the day because I could have gotten around without it. And yep. I had some real true friends there and I loved the staff and, you know, the people that ran it. So you ended up going back. So to I went back. 
And then again, now we're all set. <laughs> oh, we're not. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so you went through uh, what? Uh, how many months of Glenishian? Just um, another six months okay. of Glenishian. And okay, let's go to the next little bump. Right, and then me and my best friend Jamie um, and her boyfriend at the time. Mm -hmm all decided to get an apartment together i remember that right yeah and so we got a beautiful apartment mm -hmm. and we were going to call it paradise falls like in the movie up <laughs> okay yep and it was beautiful and um you know sometimes when you get back everything that you think you want in sobriety when you get it back so quick you let it take you back out mm -hmm. and that's the lesson i learned from that slip okay. i learned that I can lose everything I've gained in recovery in one bad decision. Yep. In one bad decision, one morning, I got to know you why. I had to move out of my apartment. I couldn't keep my job in Beverly. Um, you know, one decision, one bad move, uh, everything's gone. Everything that I worked all that time to get back yep. was gone. And I'd like to let everybody know, just about every time she had a bum, we'd be on the phone. Yep. And she'd always, you know, I mean, when she started, when she'd call me when she was ready to take another stab at it, she'd always tell me, you know, why she thought she slipped, what she learned. And she'd always come back a little bit stronger, a little bit more confident. Why don't we get to the last bump on her own? All right. Yeah. So... The last bump in the road, um, you know, I I had pretty much thrown away my entire life. Um, and that was pretty much the last bump in the road. Yeah. Um, there was one other like little mini slip up, but I didn't lose everything that time. But, uh, you know, I've lost everything in the blink of an eye. Everything I thought was keeping me sober. Those things don't keep me sober. This program, my higher power, the fellowship, like the 12 steps, those things keep me sober. And also the thought that like my next bump in the road can take me out completely, can take me out of life. True. And this time around with the amount of sobriety I have now, like I've gotten everything back. You know, my life is amazing. You know, not every day is a perfect day, mm -hmm. but it's so much better than the alternative. You know, the alternative is waking up, not wanting to live, being forced to just trudge through the day in a complete darkness where you don't know a way out. You don't know a better way. You know, every time I slipped up in the back of my mind, it was like, a head full of AA and belly full of booze, you know, it just doesn't work. You know, AA ruins your drinking for you. Yeah. And that's amazing. That's a miracle. Like they say, if you don't get AA, AA will get you. Mm -hmm. And like, it totally got me. Good. And like, I'm excited about my recovery yeah. today. Like, I love being clean and sober. And like, don't get me wrong. There's days I think about, wow, a drink would be nice right now. But I also play the tape through and know where that would bring me, mm -hmm. like right back to losing every single thing that I've worked so hard for. And I don't mean like the material things, because like I've had those come and go so many times. But like I'm talking about like the relationships you build in this program, like mm -hmm. the friends who actually care about you, yeah. you know, the the family that always stuck by me. You know, even when I was a complete shit show. Sorry for swearing. Oh, that's okay. But like, I do that occasionally. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, like, I'm lucky not everybody has that. Like, some people have no, to go you're, through this you're so right. without that. Yeah. And for any of you that are out there listening, uh, Nikki's parents put a lot of effort into learning how to deal with Nikki's ups and downs and so forth like that. And they're wonderful people and they were a great support system now. Uh, and they were a good friend. Yeah. So, uh, and the thing I noticed, especially the last time, uh, 
she'd call me up and start giving me advice. <laughs> she'd call me, you, you know, back in the day, she'd call me, you know, when things, there was a problem and this and that and so forth. But now every now and then she'll call me and, how you doing? You know, we have a chat. And a lot of that, most of the time I put it on speaker because Fran yep. loves to hear what's going on also. And she always has, uh, you know, uh, something to say. But, uh, yeah, you have been become another one of my many, many adopted daughters. Yes. And I'm so happy about that. I am happy about that, too. And I feel honored for, ha for having that title. I do. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I truly do. So, we we skipped over that. We ain't got a whole lot of that. We skipped over the part about how you became a dog groomer. So, in 2012, um, my son passed away. So, my son passed away at birth. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, shortly after birth. So, I was completely lost. I, I was in kind of a toxic relationship. I didn't have a career. I didn't have a way to support myself. And I was sober at the time, but I didn't have a program behind me. Mm -hmm. And um, I fell into dog grooming and I loved it. Yeah. And I was really good at it. So they pushed me through like the certificate program. And um, it was the first job I ever had where I was like, I wish there were more hours in the day. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. And it's been I can remember when you were at the Haven. I even picked you up a couple of times, come over the house to do Bailey. Yep. yep. <laughs> to do our dog. Yeah. Yeah. So that is your career now. That is my career now. I have an amazing boss, a job I love, a great apartment. Like I have people in my life that are second to none. That... Oh, you can mention, you know, I know we don't want to go down camera, but you can mention that you do have a significant other. I now. have an amazing boyfriend. All right. Yes. He's great. And I am truly happy and like I, you know, I wouldn't give it all back for anything, you know. That's what I like to hear. No, I I try to give back and that's what I'm doing today, yes, you, you know. And, and it took me, I don't know, about five years to find a Five get you years, here. yeah, because but, I uh, wanted to make sure I was going to stay Yeah. Here. And now I have every intention to you stay. Do. And like I said, the confidence you have in yourself now those are the things i noticed over the years you know the confidence you built up in yourself you know you just the determination you have now is uh it's just so wonderful to see so what do you think the future brings mm. <laughs> you got about seven minutes to tell me about your future <laughs> Um, not too far into the okay. future. Okay, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because no, my... I know we don't go far into the future. You, I try to keep it in the day. You well, okay. You have to, <laughs> you got to throw those things. Well, at least you didn't say one day at a time, anyway. Yeah, exactly. But uh, oh, we got someone. Okay, hello. Well, at least you didn't say one day at a oh. time, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Hello. Hello. Hi. You gotta turn, Hi. You got to turn down your laptop because there's a pretty good delay there. Okay. Oh, hi, hi, Phil. Sorry, this is Nancy. <laughs> I heard Nancy who? Exactly, Nancy who? I, I know that. <laughs> hi, Nancy. I, I, you know, I heard. I thought I heard my name mentioned once. Oh so no! I think no. It, maybe I would call in. Um, I just wanted to say how proud I am of my daughter. She has um, turned out to be the person that I always hoped she could be. And I'm, I am amazed by her every day. And she didn't do it alone, but she was the main person mm -hmm. who did it. I mean, she did it with help from you. Cole helped it. Cole and Jackie helped her originally. All her friends and the people that she had at Haven of Hope and at Glen Sheehan and her sponsors and there's a lot of people who contributed to it but it was Nikki's journey and still is and she's the one who's doing it and killing it at life and I couldn't be prouder and uh, well I'll tell you I'll tell you what Nancy don't sell yourself shot because uh, you played a huge part 
in her recovery, uh, not giving up on her, uh, you know, always learning how to deal with it. So, uh, yeah, you know, when you say nobody does it alone, uh, be it the, the one in active uh, addiction or us crazy family members who they drive crazy. Yeah, well... She doesn't drive me crazy anymore. She's no, you know what she once told me? She said, I didn't always like you, but I always loved you. Now I like you and I love you. Well, that's, well I'm glad she didn't say, now I like you, but I don't love you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nancy, uh, no, I, in all seriousness, you know, a lot of families will give up on their loved ones. Uh, you and Andy never did. And oh. neither did Fran and I. Yep, exactly. Well, all right. Well, we're just proud of you, Nick. So proud of you. I love you. Thank you for everything. Okay. Bye, Nancy. Thanks, Bill. Okay, hon. I love her. I love her too. Yeah. yeah. So she. So. So now, right now, you're renting uh, in Mithoen. Yep. Yep. Which is cool. Uh, you have a magnificent boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Your family is obviously proud and happy with you so uh what happens next what do you I, now if i remember right you you actually had visions of maybe having your own business down the road yeah i mean it's a possibility uh, a couple of years down the line um my boss wants to sell the business mm -hmm. so that's a possibility and you know i'd like to own a home someday sure. and who knows what the future holds that's like right. if i stay sober anything is possible but no, like it, it's very, all contingent upon that yeah very know, so. very well put yeah the staying sober is the key but it, it's not just about any fool can get clean right but you you change your attitude uh the way you feel about others you've learned the friends that can support you and the ones that can drag you down so i mean you are fantastic so what we only got a couple minutes how do you think you close this out somebody who let's say somebody is out there listening and they've just recently relapsed and they were of the attitude that so many of them have that say, that's it. Now I got to start all over again. Why bother? What would you say to someone like that? So I think I would tell them that, um, you know, it like recovery isn't always a linear process, meaning like it's not always a straight shot from like getting this the first try. Like me and my best friend always say there are some people that are like first time winners, like they get this the first time around and like more power to them. Absolutely, you know? yep. I um I had to be beaten down into submission and mm -hmm. try things my way. And you know, um, you know, luckily people always welcomed me back with open arms and you know they say like no shame in coming back and like it's hard to come back like it's hard to get that 24-hour chip and like say you know like you tried to do it your way and it didn't work mm -hmm. and like you know but like I'm living proof that if you live through those slip ups and relapses, because I also want to make it clear, not everybody lives through it. Good point. You know, yeah. it's not like I always say, it's not a revolving door. Like we're not all promised to come back. Um, there are those that have died from this disease. And like, that's a huge tragedy because the percent of us who get this and make it, you know, are not, it's not a huge number. No, I'm afraid it isn't. You know, so it's a miracle if you make it back. And if you make it back, then you just try to focus on what made you go back out and learn from it and try to not repeat that same mistake twice. And, you know, it took me several attempts to get the time that I have now, which is a good amount of time, you know, and it's a day at a time and I have to wake up every morning and do the drill. And I'm just lucky because it's not a lot of work at this point. It's maintenance mm -hmm. and I enjoy it, yeah. you know, and it's a way of life that I want to live, you know, so it's kind of a miracle. 
and no kind of about it right it is a miracle and you know whatever it is i'm just going to keep doing it because it's working for me but like for those of you who are just coming back from relapse like don't give up hope like you know it's never too late to get this you don't lose all the knowledge and all the tools that you gained in the time that you were sober like you may restart your time you know, chip wise or counting down the days, but you don't lose all of the knowledge and all of the tools that you gained along the way. You always have that. You can always bank on having that. You're so smart. <laughs> guys. I learned that from you. <laughs> well, that's why I said you're so smart. <laughs> uh, guys, I, I appreciate you uh, coming in and listening to uh, 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 Nikki's story. I've been trying to get her for a lot of years. And she's right. She wasn't ready until now. So uh, I would like to thank you again. I'd like to thank you, Nikki. Always Lou in the back room there. And uh, I'd like to one last time in remembrance of Kim Holland and her wonderful family. Uh, we will see you, Cole and I, next September on the Empty Chair. Bye-bye.